truly day in and day out is oftentimes highly repetitive. Um, it's oftentimes done, you know, solo. It's done in all types of weather, beautiful weather and inclement weather. And yeah. so it can feel like a grind. And um, I actually, I am, I embrace that concept. I like the idea of it being a grind. Do you, do you think of, of the grind as a negative thing, Sean, or, or do you feel like that's where you excel? Oh, that's definitely where I excel. You know, I, I, I look for the grind, you know, <clears throat> not all the time, obviously, <clears throat> but I want that, you know, I want, I want the grind. You know, we don't necessarily like the grind. You know, we look at the weather outside and, you know, we're, but once we get out there, it's, you know, and, and, and the grind is where we, that, that's where we, where we, uh, where we grow, you know, and that's not just in, in sports, but it's in work. It's an, I feel like it's an everyday life. You know? Hey there, podcast listener. If this is your first time here, Welcome to the Eat Half Walk Double Podcast, coming to you from the Ascend Endurance Coaching Studios here in lovely Stratford, New Hampshire, US of A. I'm your host, Chris Dunn. If you follow the show, thank you and welcome back. So this show chronicles my four decades in endurance sports. As an exercise physiologist, coach, race director, and athlete, told through the stories of the important, influential, and interesting people I've met along the way. While I catch up with friends, colleagues, rivals, clients, and the occasional family member, it's my hope you'll learn a little something about health, fitness, and the secrets to living well along the way. Sean Snow is my guest. For those that follow him on social media, his daily positive posts are inspirational and uplifting, and they are a breath of fresh air in an otherwise swamp of negativity. Yet I suspect that very few know the story behind those posts. In a very real sense, they are an integral component of his continued success as a 56-year-old endurance athlete. Finally, in order to more fully appreciate Sean's unique approach, I present to you a challenge. In the center of a blank piece of paper, draw nine dots in three rows of three. The square should be approximately one inch by one inch. Now, without lifting your pen from the paper, Draw four lines that connect all nine dots. It might be helpful to pause the show for a moment after this intro and attempt to solve the puzzle. Well, here he is, Sean Snow. Sean, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me on, Chris. It's an honor. It's good to see you. How are you? I'm doing good. Yeah, I'm doing good. It's been a while, man. You know, it, was, it seemed like yesterday we were uh, chasing each other in snowshoes. <laughs> it uh, it has been a while, and uh, I want to talk about snowshoes. I was uh, just finishing up dinner with my wife, and um, she asked who was on the show, and I said, uh, Sean Snow. And she said, wow. She said, when was the last time you saw him? And I, I thought to myself, <laughs> I, I'm not sure I remember the last time that I, I saw Sean. I, I said, um, uh, almost certainly, uh, it, it was it was likely at a snowshoe race, but but it could have been. Is it Loon? Loon? Remember we I saw we saw each other at Loon Mountain. I did it. Uh, I don't know, maybe 
five years ago, I think I saw you. And 2018. Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, I was. Um, I was sort of scrolling through uh, your social media feed to uh, uh, see if I could come up with some inspiration for the show. So maybe things, tidbits, things I wanted to talk about. Sure enough, there was a photo of you uh, on Upper Walking Boss in, and the, the date was 2018. And I know that, um, I believe that was the last year that uh, Paul and I um, directed that race. Uh, but then, you know, I was, I mentioned that to Karen and I said, well, there were probably a thousand people there. I'm like, I, I know Sean was there because I saw the photo of him there. Yeah. But I don't, I don't, I don't remember well, you, Steve. You're a busy guy, man. Yeah. yeah like, like going. race director, race director yeah. brain right so yeah. so yeah. my apologies if, yeah, if i don't remember or didn't remember that you and i <laughs> saw each other in 2018 yes uh loon mountain race upper walking bus well maybe maybe we'll talk about that too uh that's it that's an that's an interesting race and, and we have an interesting connection there um well let me let me close the loop on something that um uh i presented in the intro to the podcast uh so for the listener who took the nine dot challenge? Uh, I ask you, you know, are you stuck? Uh, and 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 if you are stuck, um, what if I added the additional instruction to feel free to use the entire piece of paper? Now, Sean and I will get back to the nine dot challenge here in just a little bit because um, it does pertain to an important philosophy that both. Sean and I share. So more on the nine dot challenge in, in just a moment. Sean, uh, anyone who follows you on social media knows you to be an incredibly positive and uplifting force of nature who routinely shares inspirational messages. Just recently, you shared uh, the following quote by Burton Hills. And that quote was, happiness is not a destination. It's a method of life. Now, I believe that in order, in order for, for anyone to believe that that's true, we must accept that each of us holds the power to create our own happiness. Sean, what's your method of creating happiness? You know, it's a, it's an everyday method. You know, to me, it's uh, you know, it takes, it takes work every day to, uh, to, to stay in, uh, and I was speaking for myself, my moment, uh, you know, uh, how would I say it? You know, I, I start with a morning routine every day. Uh, I've done that for the past seven years, haven't missed a day. Uh, and it, it starts off my day, um, you know, in a positive, uh, frame of mind, if you would, you know, uh, most of my days are, are pretty long between working out and, uh, and uh, in the job that I have, and my job is a pretty high stress job. And, and then I know I'm going to be going into, into the day um, challenged. You know, I deal with, with customers all day and, uh, you know, it can, it can get pretty stressful. And uh, I, I've got to have that, uh, that frame of mind uh, to, to stay focused, stay positive, and not only stay positive with myself, but try to spread it with others, um, you know, and it starts with my routine and, you know, I try to try to spread it, uh, spread it all day. I mean, it's uh, I'm certainly not perfect by any means, but uh, I really, it, it, to me, uh, it really does take work. You know, in, in this day and age, uh, you know, we're constantly bombarded with, with uh, well, negativity and 
you know, um, you know, the, just the, the bad events. And, you know, I, I just feel like there's just not enough uh, positivity and optimism uh, out there. And, you know, I'm not, not the kind of person that's out there, you know, um, you know, just, uh, I guess, acting it and, you know, just, I, I want to be it, you know, I want to be that person. I want to, you know, start with my post in the morning and, uh, man, uh, you know, from the, the minute I get to the gym to, you know, stopping and getting my bagel at, uh, you know, at, at uh, my local bagel shop, uh, you know, everybody that I touch, man, I want to try to, uh, you know, try to spread it, you know, and, uh, when I'm running in the morning, 5am, you know, anybody that I see, you know, I, I say good morning to, I don't care who it is or, you know, I may get a response. I may not, but, uh, I just feel like, uh, I feel like we're, we're all put on this, this earth for a reason. And, uh, for whatever reason, uh, that's kind of, I guess, the direction that, uh, that I want, uh, that I want to go. I also believe that, um, the law of attraction uh, applies to each of us, particularly as it relates to um, to social media. And, you know, the, the law of attraction suggests that we receive um, the energy back from the universe equal to the energy that we put out into the universe. In other words, positivity begets positivity. And the reverse of that is true. Right, that negativity begets negativity. So yeah. in all that all that we do is project negativity into the universe, it's not surprising that um, our, our life is infinitely more complicated and more challenging. Um, but, but I also again firmly believe that the the opposite of that is true. When you project positivity, it isn't that life doesn't happen to positive people. Life happens to positive people. But I think the difference is, is that um, when life happens to positive people, it's how they react to those life events. And they, and they, and they react uh, oftentimes in uh, forward-looking, constructive ways, um, working, to, working to solve the puzzle, to yeah. overcome the challenge, yeah. to figure out the problem. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, well, it's interesting now that that you um, frame your inspirational messages that you share on social media in the context of part of your morning routine. Um, in other words, it's um, it's a way to help jumpstart your day. <laughs> while at, while at the same yeah while at the same time lifting up others yes right? yeah and yeah i uh yeah you know i mean it uh early on i think that it really uh it was a big a big part of my routine on you know yeah inspiring myself and and holding myself accountable um but i think it's uh and you know uh you know, it's been, you know, it's been almost seven years, you know, since I started it every day. And, uh, you know, it's, it's come to a point where, um, you know, I, it's, I need it. I definitely need it, but I really, I, you know, geez, I'm, you know, only a few people may see it, but if it helps one person, then it's done its trick. And every day I say, man, if I can, if I can, if I can put the light into one person, 
uh, man, I've done my job, you know, and, you know, if I can do it in, in 500 people, I'm doing even better, you know. Um, I really do believe, uh, you know, you're, you're absolutely right on his karma, you know. I mean, it's good, good karma. And, man, it, you know, it's not easy. It's not easy for sure. Um, but it does become easy once you, once you hold yourself accountable to working on it every day. You know, and, um, you know, the, the, the those two years with, with COVID, man, that was a, a, a great example of, you know, what you said, Chris, is, uh, you know, um, you got to stay positive. You got to stay driven. You got to stay motivated and, you know, keep on, keep, keep seeing, seeing the positive in it. And uh, as difficult as it, it was and, you know, has been for a lot of people, man, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, Look, I, I saw tremendous growth in so many people from, uh, you know, from from keep on keeping on seeing, you know, in the positive. And, uh, you know, you, 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 you come out the end of each day, regardless of what was thrown at you, uh, having grown, you know, in growth, you know, when, when you can keep that mindset, you know. Totally. Um Sean, if, if, if you would, if, if you don't mind, if it's not prying too much, um, w- would you share a little bit more about what your morning routine entails? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so so I get up. Uh, first thing I do is have uh, coffee, a, a glass of water, and, and get my coffee, and then I roll out a yoga mat. Uh, I've got um, a couple different books that I have, uh, you know, I have little – quotes out of or um, paragraphs and I've got a list, you know, of um, 10 things that I'm grateful for that I, that I read, uh, do a little bit of praying, uh, yoga, I could do about uh, 10, 15 minutes of yoga. Uh, then I go through, um, you know, of late the past year or so, I, you know, do some breathing techniques. Um, and uh, I started uh, meditating as well, uh, which that's only been of recent and uh, which, which I never would have thought would, would bring on the benefits just that I've seen uh, of late uh, by sitting there, you know, uh, in my own thoughts, you know, so most of my routine uh, in the past has been all, you know, doing something, engaging in something and, you know, in quiet, I've got no music going or anything like that, but um, and it usually takes me, you know, anywhere from a half hour to 40 minutes uh, to do. And then uh, after I get done with, uh, you know, with uh, the meditation, I, that's when I do my post. Uh, make sure I get my post out there. And then, uh, and then the day starts. And, um, you know, I really, I do, you know, I, I've read it in, in countless you know, books and I've heard about the morning routines and just how important it is to, to I don't go, I do not go to any, um, news or Facebook or anything uh, when I first wake up, but it's probably a half hour, 40 minutes of, of just me working on me and what the day is going to bring. And uh, it really has uh, for myself has been a, uh, it's given me a, a very solid foundation on being able to handle what I can handle. Well, I think there's, um, there's really good evidence <clears throat> to suggest that um how you start your day almost always determines the trajectory of your day. And again, doesn't suggest that folks who have a morning routine similar to yours don't have challenging things that pop up throughout the day. 
Um, but all day, yeah, <laughs> right. But 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 truthfully, your your ability to weather those storms is enhanced and fortified because of these self care practices that you that you routinely and regularly um, work on first thing in the morning, right? Yes. Um, I mean, I, you know, you, I'm, I'm sure you've, you, you've, you've heard the, you know, the, the theory of, you know, the, the first thought of the day oftentimes will predetermine the day. Yeah. So if yeah. your first thought is a, is a negative thought, yeah. um, <laughs> more often than not, you're going to, you're going to finish the day having had a really challenging day. Yeah. Conversely, if your first thought is a positive thought, yeah. um, it's just it's interesting how the universe works. Almost always, those are days that end up being um, much more positive days. Well, I think I find it interesting that, and but not surprising, someone who has who is as physically active as you are, right? um, that their morning routine is really a series of fairly passive practices. Passive. It, meaning with, with, with very little movement, um, that they are, um, um, spiritual and, um, uh, and, uh, uplifting from a mental health standpoint. Do you see it that way? Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, um, yeah. And I, you know, when I think back to what, before I started this, um, you know, this routine, um, you know, I, I, I certainly didn't feel I was not as grounded as I am now. You know, I mean, um, yeah, I really do. And I, I'll, I'll even we talk about the morning, but I'll, you know, go a little bit further in the evening. And, and one, this is something that I've learned, you know, it's taken me a long time to realize this too, but it's often what we, one of the last things that we do or we watch or what we read before we go to sleep at night can really affect what we dream about and uh, what sets the tone for the next day as well. And um, it's just amazing to me how, uh, you know, just something as simple as, you know, checking the score of a, of a game, you know, just before I go to bed, you know, go, you know, hit the, hit the, uh, the light and uh, it's, it's boom, it's, it's in my dreams, you know, and I really, uh, I've really tried to focus on, you know, reading some positive or just a quick, you know, two minutes or three minutes of uplifting material just before I go to bed, not lit, not watching it, but actually reading it. And, uh, yeah. And again, that's that it's, um, and, and, I guess in, in a lot of ways, people would, you know, I would think that I'm kind of obsessed with, with it, but I am, you know, I really, I want my, 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 my goal for myself and, and to spread is to really, uh, is to try to live it every day, you know, and how, how does that happen? It takes that work to do, you know? Well, truth is that, um, as we get older, it becomes increasingly important. I feel to make sure that we are attending to all of the different elements of performance, right? right. Uh, when we were when we were in our twenties and thirties, we we might have been able to get away with just being physical, and the and and that physicality oftentimes was enough to carry us through 
uh, and to help lead us toward the things that we want to, wanted to accomplish. But as our 20s turned into our 30s and 40s and 40s turned into, in, into our 50s, we realized that, that performance really is multifactorial, that there are other components to it. There's a nutrition component. There's a, uh, there's a sleep component. Um, there's a mindset component. And when we begin to fully appreciate that performance really is multidimensional, um, we can we can begin to, uh, to 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 broaden our work into all those different domains, right? And and like literally, it's it's like a it's like a puzzle coming together piece by piece, right? That it's it's right. that excitement of putting together three or four pieces, and three or four pieces becomes ten or twelve pieces. And as soon as you begin to put together um, a significant part of the of the puzzle, the picture begins to emerge, right? And and you yeah. become even more excited when when the picture sort of comes into into focus. Uh, I, I found it interesting when you describe that nightly routine because it's it's something that I preach to my my athletes as well. And it's in fact it's a practice that I uh, have been working on for a number of years now. I call it something a little different, but we're talking about the same thing. Uh, I call it pre-setting intention. Yeah. So the last thing that I do uh, when my head hits the pillow at night is I. Uh, I think about what I'm going to do tomorrow, the, the thing that I need to do, the, 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 my one thing. What's my one thing such that by doing it will make everything else easier or, or unnecessary? Um, uh, now, that, that I'm specifically referring to my activity pattern, but it, it, this certainly could be applied to any important thing that I would need to do. So I think about that thing. What am I going to do tomorrow? For instance, tomorrow is a day in which I will either mountain bike with the dogs or I'll walk the dogs and then I'll bring the dogs home and then I'll go to the gym. Uh, that's my physical activity for tomorrow. So when my head hits the pillow tonight, um, I will be thinking about the what, why, when, and how. I am going to execute what I need to execute tomorrow. I am presetting my intention. And in so doing, I actually grease the skids for my subconscious to execute on that thought and that plan tomorrow. Yeah. Not that it not that it happens spontaneously tomorrow, but it's much more likely to happen tomorrow um, because I have guided my subconscious to that to that outcome. Right? right. What's the what's the expression? Uh, the body achieves what the mind believes. Right. right. Yeah. So, so, yeah. You know, and and I, so I think we're talking about the same thing. We may be using different terminology, um, but again, I find it fascinating that you and I have both, uh, in our own way and in our own manner, sort of come to a very similar, uh, uh, similar execution of something, mindset work that we're going to talk about a little bit more. That that I think is so incredibly important. Um, Sean, before we go any further, for the listener who doesn't know Sean Snow, why don't you take a moment and introduce yourself? Oh, geez. Um, you know, I, uh, man, uh, this I don't do well, but, um, <laughs> so yeah, I do, I'm a, I do, I do triathlons. Uh, I'm a triathlete, um, <clears throat> mainly distance, long distance stuff. So do, you know, Ironman, uh, Ironman, half Ironman, uh, marathons, 
you know, all the way down to 5K, sprint, triathlons, um, you know, uh, ooh, you know, that's, and I, I just, yeah, I mean, I, I don't do this good, do well stuff on this stuff, Chris, you know, <laughs> I, uh, I was talking to our daughter about this before we, we came on. I'm like, yeah, I just don't do well with the, with the tooting the horn type stuff. So. I, uh, but I'll, you know, so yeah, so I've been doing Ironman for my first one is, was in 2004 and, uh, you know, been fortunate enough to, to be, uh, you know, qualify for Hawaii a few times and, uh, I just take, you know, big passion in, in, uh, and bringing my best to the line, you know, and, uh, I just kind of, that's how, that's how I roll and I want to keep doing it, you know, keep doing it as long as my body, my mind and my my soul will, will let me there, you know? Well, you're, you are an incredibly humble person and um, uh, also an incredible inspiration to a lot of people, myself included. Um, and I want to talk, I will talk a little bit more about that. Um, but um, so thank you for that, uh, that, that somewhat tortured uh, self-introduction. <laughs> <It's all good. laughs> I mean, I, I could have done it for you, but, yeah. uh, but I, I wanted I wanted the listener to hear it to hear it from 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 your from your mouth. So so with with with, with a little bit of luck, maybe that'll be the most difficult question I will I will ask you. Right, um, uh, Sean, let's um, let let's talk a little bit about um, uh, how you and I came to know each other. Again, a, a fun part of this podcast for me is is getting an opportunity to uh, sit down and, and and share a little time with uh, with some, with old friends, uh, yeah. and, uh, um, you know, kind of, uh, reminiscing about how we came, how we came to know each other. I'm going to, I'm going to say that, uh, and you'll, you'll correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm going to say that we, we were probably introduced through the sport of snowshoe racing here in New Hampshire, yeah. um, probably in the early 2000s yeah, or, was, or, uh, or, yeah. Late I'm single, probably mid mid two thousands, maybe. Yeah, the yeah. First, uh, first time that uh, we met was probably at the Beaver Brook race. That was the uh, that was the classic picture of um, of uh, that. Uh, yeah, Scott Mason. Uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, that's you know, right. You're in that. You, you're in that photo. You can you can actually a... clearly see you in that photo. <laughs> but yeah, I think that was our first. Uh, that was our first one, and then that it just it just. Met, it just went crazy from there. I mean, I, I think probably for probably three, four, five years, it was just, man, it was just race after race. And God, those were just good times, you know, just really good times. A lot of snow and a lot of, you know, a lot, a lot of pain, man, a lot of pain, you know, and <laughs> you and I were right there. I mean, it was just like, that's, you know, you, we were, we were just back and forth on, and it was just, ah, it was so much fun, you know? Yeah, and I think I think that's how it's principally how you and I became friends, and that in in in, in large part um, <laughs> because uh, we shared a lot of time on the trail uh, in within the race. Yeah, uh, either either you ahead of me or me ahead of you, but but both of us in in, in fairly close proximity to each other, yeah. seemingly seemingly at every race. But 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 quite interestingly. Um, you know, we both came to snowshoe racing from um, somewhat different uh, athletic postures at that time. I mean, I you were you were a triathlete, very active, uh, a very competitive triathlete. I had done triathlon, but it was many, many years ago. At that time, 
I was a trail and, and mountain racer. And yet here we found ourselves on snowshoes or in snowshoes on snow racing all throughout New Hampshire, those three or four winters. Yeah. I know why snowshoe racing was important for me, but, but why did you get into snowshoe racing? Well, I think, uh, I mean, I, I, I think it was the hardest, uh, the first time I tried it, man, I, I damn near died, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was hooked. Uh, it was probably the, I, I feel like the two hardest event, you know, sports that I've, I've competed in for, in terms of like a shorter race duration have been snowshoe racing and cyclocross. And, uh, man, I just, uh, I got hooked on it. Um, you know, just for it, mostly, you know, to begin with, for the camaraderie of it. Uh, but I was very intrigued with, uh, uh, with the, um, the power, uh, the, uh, the strength that you, that, that I gained from it, uh, leading into my triathlon, you know, into my season, uh, the mental toughness, uh, that it took to finish hard, uh, but also the discipline that it took to stay at a certain pace, uh, so that you didn't blow yourself up. Cause I feel like it's the one, the big, the, the one sport, probably the biggest sport that I've ever done that when you blow yourself up, you're done. And it was, and, and you walk that fine line, man. And when I say you're done, man, you just got nothing left in the tank. And so you can, you know, you can usually will yourself out of, you know, biking or running or swimming or mountain biking or whatever. You can figure out, okay, I can kick it down a notch. But man, when you blew yourself up on those snowshoes and, you know, and we did, we did. And when, you know, and, it, you know, you and I would be neck and neck and, you know, one of us would be, you know, wouldn't be seen for you know, the one that blew up. Wouldn't be, you know, you go from like, you know, fifth or something to, you know, to 80th or whatever, you know, because you just can't even pick up your legs, you know. And, uh, you know, this it was just like a, it was just a great, uh, great all around uh, endurance uh, sport to be a part of, you know. Uh, and, and you mentioned the camaraderie. Um that that was a big part of it for for me as well um you know i i would i would i would only see certain people during snowshoe season because as i mentioned earlier perhaps i was a mountain and trail runner and you know you were a triathlete so we although you 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 dabble in the in the off-road stuff so we we might have crossed paths but for the most part and i'm sure that you would agree that this this is true that that there would be this was a certain community that you that you uh, uh, were involved with for a, a fairly short period of time. You know that thirteen right. weeks in the winter time, yeah. uh, and then you know you would roll into your triathlon season and you would get you would be connected to your triathlon community. But that snowshoe racing community was just was a, it was a very eclectic group because it because it really drew it really drew athletes from from every sport seemingly. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you do you do you remember that? Uh, to be the case? Oh, absolutely. And I'll, I'll say that, I mean, a couple of, a couple of quick notes that I, I, th I think are just, you know, you talk about camaraderie and, uh, in, in, in the group, uh, you know, I mean, where else can you, I'll never forget that race on, uh, on, I think it's, what's the, um, Madbury, the, the yeah, night came, race. Yeah, came, came and farm, came yeah, and farm came snowshoe race. We got, we got lost and we were, the front group was like, you know, pretty far ahead. And, uh, 
or I think you were in that group too. And somebody took a wrong right, and we went way down, like ah, oh, like totally blew ourselves up. I mean, we went like I don't know, maybe, maybe a quarter mile off course or whatever it was. And all of a sudden, something you know, it was like six of us, and we were just like, uh oh, <laughs> we we took a wrong turn, and we had gone been going down, so we had to go back up the hill, and I don't know, we ended up getting getting destroyed, but we just laughed about it, you know, and um, you know, I mean, what what else can you say on that? But I will say. Um, you know, you talk about, you know, from, uh, athletes, uh, and people from, from various, uh, uh, you know, sports, <clears throat> but I'll tell you, man, I, uh, a lot of people that competed, you know, in, from the different sports were top athletes from their sports. And, uh, I, you know, in looking back on it, uh, I think that the snowshoe racing, really uh contributed to that and it also you know there was such a variety of of um athletes that did it and that was kind of the fun part you know from a beginner to to you know the highly competitive but it really it was highly competitive man you know they were from highly competitive triathletes runners cyclists cross-country skiers that uh had that uh deep ability to suffer you know and uh it was always a, a joy to, to, to go to those things and just see the, the level of athletes, you know, not, you know, everybody is rejoicing everybody, but boy, those top, you know, top 20 men and women that showed up. Oh man, it was just, it was awesome. You know, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a good, it's a good point. Cause I'm not sure that, um, that, that there, that there ever had been, or there has been such since snowshoe racing um, was was largely disbanded. I'm not sure that there was ever a sport in which that was the case. That the that the top athletes from all these different sports came together, yeah, in in yeah. one type of sport for yeah. one season. But yeah. I, I I can't think of any other sport other than snowshoe racing in which in which that happened. A really yeah. really interesting dynamic dynamic. And again, everybody had their own motivations for doing it. Uh, although a common denominator among all of them were obviously the fitness benefits gained from spending a winter uh, running on snowshoes, even if it was only once a week in which you were showing up to a race and running hard on snowshoes, there was 100% fitness benefits in the spring for anyone uh, who was doing any any type of running on snowshoes, let me ask one last follow-up question about about uh, snowshoes and running in snowshoes. Uh, do you still do it? Do you still do you still get out <laughs> you know, and run around in no, snowshoes? You know, yeah, you know, I was just gonna say, I miss it. I miss it tremendously. Um, no, not a lot. I mean, I haven't done any this year, um, and I mean, quite honestly, mainly because we just haven't had the snow. You know, I mean, um, which is in which is disappointing, but. I, I feel like as I've gotten older, um, I don't want to, uh, do sports, um, that I'm not able to continue, you know, continuously, continuously do to acclimate if you would, you know, going out and running, uh, in snowshoes and then not being able to do it for, you know, if it, the snow melts off or what have you, not being able to do it for, you know, for two weeks and then going back to it and, uh, I felt like uh, when we were doing it, it was very consistent. So we could go out there and train at least once or twice a week on them uh, and be able to do it. And we, you know, we're very fortunate. We just still, we still do have a, a couple of local races that go on with, with the snowshoes. But for me, it's, um, 
you know, not being able to train on them. Uh, I just don't, I don't feel comfortable with myself going out and going, you know, redlining like we used to, and then uh, setting myself up for injury. But I try to get out there, you know, if we, if we, you know, I do, they're waiting, you know, they're still waiting. And, you know, if we ever get that, uh, those, you know, the continuous snow again, God, I'd love to love to do it. Cause I do, I miss it tremendously. Uh, the benefits were enormous, you know, and I, I think for me, uh, I saw it the most in my cycling, to be honest with you. I felt like it really built that quad strength uh, that transferred over to the cycling the most, you know. Um, yeah, good. Um, uh, that's a good segue into um, uh, into talking a little bit about uh, uh, your Ironman uh, distance triathlon um, passion, um, let's let's say. So. Uh, my math suggests that you are 56 years old. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So uh, you, you're you're a 56 year old, 35 time Ironman finisher, plus plus scores of half iron. But let's for a moment let's kind of pause on that this 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 Ironman thing. Um, you, you mentioned that your first Ironman uh, triathlon was 2004. So that's uh, that's going on 19 years or so ago. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, when was your, when was your most recent finish? Well, uh, most recent was, uh, Lake Placid. <clears throat> Lake Placid of 2021. No, nope, 2022. 2022. Yeah. Yeah. Lake Placid 2022. Uh, was Lake Placid 2021 canceled because of COVID? Let's see. 22, um, 22 21 uh, 20 was canceled 20 was canceled yeah, 20 was canceled 21 21 happened yeah 21 uh, happened. 20 20 was canceled uh my but um my daughter and i went up and did it that's right yes yeah so it wasn't canceled it was not canceled we... <laughs> you, 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 that's, you, a, that's a whole different story yeah you, yeah. you still you still got your 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 full lake placid Two thousand and four, first Ironman. Uh, your your most recent uh, Ironman was last summer of twenty twenty two. When's your when is your next Ironman? Next one is uh, Lake Placid this year. So Lake, Lake Placid, yep, two thousand twenty three. Um, yeah, last year I was supposed to have three of them, um, you know, and I did uh, did Utah in May placid in july and then of course i was supposed to be in hawaii in october that's a that's probably something to say for the latter part of our conversation here okay all right um so sean that <laughs> the, the iron man the iron man distance triathlon is um i mean no iron man finish is ever guaranteed i mean it's a it, it's a it's an ultra distance event for sure uh, and yet, um, you know, you are a 35 time Ironman finisher over a span of, of 19 years, um, which by any measure is extraordinary. Thanks. What's your secret uh, to staying fit and healthy and driven to continue to push towards such a lofty goal? Well, the secret, I mean, quite honestly, and I, I tell my, there's you sign on the dotted line, first of all, you know, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> once you sign, 
once I sign, man, I'm in, you know, and um, what's the secret? Well, the, the secret is once I, once I commit, uh, it's, it's, it's the puzzle. Okay. It's a puzzle that you're talking about. It's, um, you know, it's okay. You, you signed up, you, you, you got the puzzle in front of you and now you got to figure it out, you know? And, um, yeah, you know, it's just, uh, the secret is to, is, is hard work. Um, the secret is, uh, you know, just being the best that I can be. Um, uh, uh, but I didn't, and yeah, that's, but there are no secrets. <laughs> that's the secret. The end of it. The secret is there that's, are no secrets. That's you know? the secret. The it's secret really, is there's no secret. You know, it's, yeah, yeah. It's hard work. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I've heard the expression, um, uh, some people say to, uh, to, to major in the major and minor in the minor, which I think that that uh, expression suggests that um, that it, it's it's the big things that you should that, that you should focus on and not worry about the little things, except I have a different take on that. I actually think that I actually think that we need to major in the minor, meaning we need to pay. We, we really need to pay a tremendous amount of attention to the little things, because truly, it, 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 you know, the, it's the little things yeah. when done consistently enough yeah. that end up making a really big difference. Yes. Sean, do you believe that, that that's true, that that yeah. that, that, that that ultimately um, your success in however you define success in Ironman distance triathlon is really a, a result of your commitment to do the little things, the yeah. necessary things? Do you believe yeah. that that's true? Absolutely, 100%, Chris. And I, I feel like uh, <clears throat> it's the little things that add up. They add up, add up, add up, add up, day in, day out, day in, day out. The little things to me, you know, and I guess, uh, you know, in, in the way that I've always approached it and, you know, back when I was coaching for a little bit, I, I tried to instill it in my athletes was, uh, yeah, it is the little things, but they were simple little things, simple, you know, and uh, for many, um, it's bo they're boring little things. Um, you know, I don't, uh, I don't do a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, uh, electronic stuff, um, you know, stuff that distracts me, stuff that really occupies me in terms of uh, details and stuff. I'm, I am very, it's little, little blocks, little, little baby steps equal, um, equal success, if you would. And then, and, and, you know, I've always, I've always preached, uh, and this is how I, I look, you know, Ironman, Ironman race. It's not uh, who's the fastest, it's who slows the least. And uh, that really is, uh, you know, with uh, goes hand in hand with uh, with my goals uh, every day. You know, it's it's not uh, it's not getting there fast and, you know, distractions and all that. It's, you know, it's just not slowing down. You know, it's the little baby steps that I add up to the big stuff. And as as part of those uh, baby steps, as part of those um, uh, stringing together of the little things, the necessary things, done consistently day in and day out really that really speaks to this uh training related journey mindset 
you know? Right. Yeah. Um, and, and you mentioned that as in, in your bio that I, I asked you to put together that um, you said that the training related journey is more important to you than the finish line. Yeah. Um, have you always had that journey mindset? Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, I, you know, I'm going to go way back, you know, when I was a kid, you know, I mean, I've, you know, I was that kid that was throwing the ball up again, you know, I was, I played baseball and hockey and, uh, you know, I was throwing that ball endlessly, uh, against our barn, uh, you know, or be inside the house, you know, throwing the ball as a kid, I just endlessly trying to, you know, um, you know, pitch or take ground balls by myself, you know, hockey, just taking shot after shot, after shot, after shot, after shot, you know, and I've always looked up to the, you know, to the athletes, uh, through the years, you know, of, uh, you know, the four major sports, but, uh, as well as, uh, you know, the, 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 um, you know, the, the running and the triathlete and blah, 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 you know, that the, the athletes that, uh, you know, just continuous, the Jerry Rice's, the, uh, the Michael Jordans, you know, we've got, uh, God, even, uh, you know, we've got a, a local, uh, Matt Bonner who played, uh, for the, uh, he played basketball for Florida and, um, um, uh, uh, San Antonio and he was right from Concord. And you know, I used to, I, I'd hear stories about him being in the gym, having to get kicked out of the Y, you know, cause he'd, he'd uh, stay there until he hit umpteen three pointers in a row. And that's, that stuff, you know, and that, that's what drives me. And it, and that's what it still drives me. You know, I'm 56 years old, but I, I, in my mind, man, I still feel like I still have my best years ahead, you know, and it's just the day in, it's boring. It can be boring. You know, it really can be boring to, to do it day in and day out. But, um, I, I really firmly believe that, that, uh, it's what it takes. It really sounds like you embrace the grind. Um, <clears throat> oftentimes <clears throat> when I use the expression, uh, or, or, or I have seen people, uh, react negatively to the expression of the grind, right? That, that uh, people will push back and say, if training feels like a grind, then, you know, what, what, why are you doing it? You know, you, that you need to make it fun. Well, my philosophy is that, um, is that, is that race day is, is fun. That's, that's my opportunity to see my community, to, to test my fitness. Um, but truly day in and day out is oftentimes highly repetitive. Um, it's oftentimes done, you know, solo it's done in all types of weather, beautiful weather and inclement weather. And yeah. so it can feel like a grind. And um, I actually, I am, I embrace that concept. I like the idea of it being a grind. Do you, do you think of, of the grind as a negative thing, Sean, or, or do you feel like that's where you excel? Oh, that's definitely where I excel. You know, I, I, I look for the grind, you know, <clears throat> not all the time, obviously, <clears throat> but I want that, you know, I want, I want the grind, you know, we don't necessarily like the grind, you know, we look at the weather outside and, you know, we're, but once we get out there, it's, you know, and, and, and the grind is where we, that, that's where we, where we, uh, where we grow, you know, and that's not just in, in sports, but it's in work. It's an, I feel like it's an everyday life, you know, but I, 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 yeah, I love it, you know, and, um, you know, it's not easy. You got to work to, 
I've got, I have to work to, to keep that grind, you know, and, you know, I, I tell this, I, I tell people this often, man, you know, <clears throat> there's, you know, there, there's mornings that I get up and I go into, I always go into the Concord Y and, you know, I do my runs from there, my workouts from there. And I'll tell you, you know, there's been mornings that, you know, that are, you know, it's below zero or whatever. And, you know, I got a 10 mile run to do at, you know, 430 in the morning for work. And, you know, I'll be st- at a stoplight and I'm, I'm hoping that that stoplight, you know, doesn't turn green. You know, or I'll, you know, I'm wishing in my back of my mind, like, man, hope I get a freaking flat tire so I don't have to do this run, you know, <laughs> but it's just getting there and just doing it, you know, and, you know, and, uh, and what you, I, I really, I, I just believe that we've got to, we got to go after the grind, you know, that's where we build, you know, and if you don't, if you don't get, get used to the grind, then man, life's going to, going to chew me up, you know, and, um, Life isn't easy, you know, sports aren't easy, and uh, you got to really expose yourself to that, I think, mm. you know. I, I completely, completely agree. Now, you've also said that you believe that, quote, anything is possible. So I want to I dig in a little bit deeper uh, into that. Um, and, 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 and to do that, uh, I want to introduce a, uh, a concept known as possibility thinking, and, um, and, and I'd like to talk to you about how you use it. Um, before I do that, let me, let me pay off this uh, nine-dot puzzle thing that uh, I keep talking to, uh, to the listener about. So uh, once again, in the, in the show's intro, uh, I presented the listener uh, with, a, with a challenge called the nine-dot puzzle. It, part of this initial conversation with Sean, I gave the listener some additional detail in order to solve the puzzle. Um, so for for anyone who couldn't solve the puzzle uh, initially, uh, I'm curious if the additional instructions uh, uh, helped uh, you to find a solution. Now, interestingly enough, the nine-dot puzzle is a clever illustration of the phrase thinking outside the box, Um, because although not expressly stated, oftentimes we assume that the nine dots, the three rows of three dots, are framed by an imaginary box within which we must remain. Remember when you were a kid, Sean, your teacher told you that you need to color in the lines? Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Well, metaphorically speaking, that actually had a really profound effect on us. And I let's I want to talk a little bit uh, more about that. Um, So, Sean, I um, I I shared with you this this nine dot puzzle. Um, Now, um, I actually I took. I, I tried to solve the puzzle myself uh, when I, I, I discovered as part of my my research for this episode, um, and uh, I I gave up pretty quickly because I couldn't figure out how to connect all uh, nine dots with just four straight lines, because because I was limited, my thinking was limited. I was trying to stay within the framework of the box, even though nobody told me I had to stay within the framework of the box. Um, Sean, why do you think people have such a hard time solving this particular problem? In other words, why do you think people have such a hard time thinking outside of the box? Well, I mean, I I feel like... uh... 
I think we, we learn it. I think that we're, we're told, I think that we, um, you know, uh, I'm in my fifties and I'm not supposed to get faster. Um, you know, I think that we're, we're overloaded with information. Um, I think that, uh, we, um, we, uh, it's an easy, ex easy excuse not to push ourselves to, to think, to, you know, to, to go after that, uh, you know, to push ourselves beyond, uh, whatever it is, whether it's puzzle, whether it's a, what it was a job, whether it's a sport, whatever it's, it's easy to be, we're, we're, we're stuck in a, a comfort zone, you know, we're, we're comfortable with being comfortable and wearing, I, I say this a lot and I, I, I hate even, you know, but we, we, it's getting worse, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're told that it's, you know, negative 10 degrees outside. So nobody should go outside and, you know, to con we're constantly bombarded with not stepping out of our comfort zone, you know, and, um, if you told it, you know, and if you read it and if you watch it, you know, enough, you're gonna, gonna believe it. And that's, that's what you're gonna, gonna accept, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think that, I think that imaginary box is a combination of, uh, our own self-imposed, uh, limitations in terms of our thinking, what thinking, what we are capable of. Right. And there's also probably some some societal influence on that, the framework of those limitations as well. Right. Uh, unfortunately, you know this to be true, that um, some people have a, a fairly challenging uh, upbringing in which they are they are, you know, they are told that they they are not capable of achieving um, and um, and and that can leave an indelible mark on us with respect to our ability to think of the possibilities right in other words i i think that um the smaller our box the more likely it is that um that we favor an Im impossibility mindset because right. we can't because we can't possibly imagine outside of this small little framework that either we have created for ourselves and or society has influenced the size of that box. Right. Right. But, but some people have a much larger box, right? In other words, their, their possibilities are, are expanded uh, or um, I mean, to sort of carry forward that, that analogy, some people have the ability to enlarge the frame yeah to, to make their possibility box larger um how have how do you think you have been able to to do that sean in other words how how have you been able to uh, embrace this idea that anything is possible so let me i'm just gonna go uh i'll go i'm gonna step back just for a second yeah and say uh you know we're talking about how people you know um you know we all have our different size boxes i believe that every single person listening right now has that ability to have that uh, big box if you would step out of that out of that i really i firmly believe that and uh you know i've got friends that you know like look i mean if if, if you're talking to me and um 
you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, marathons or we're talking about something that's, uh, you know, you don't believe is possible. You know, I'm going to tell you something. It, I'm going to tell you it's possible, you know, and I'm really going to, and, and I'm going to tell you it's possible. And I really, I don't care who you are. I don't care what your, um, you know, what your size is. I don't care uh, what your, you know, what, what handicap might be. I don't care what, um, I don't care who you are. I really believe that you have it in you uh, to, to go after the, the, the possible, you know, I really do, man. And um, oh God, once, you know, once, and once I get on with, with somebody, you know, and, and uh, that, that's, I, I, that's my, that's my main purpose, you know, is, is I want to, you know, I want you to believe that you can do it, you know, and maybe two years later, for, for whatever reason, you pop back in and say, man, I want to thank you, you know, for, because I really didn't think that I, that I could do it, you know, and I really believe that every person that I touch, that I speak with, that, man, you can, but you got to decide and you got to commit, you know, you got to, you got to, you got to want it, you know, and you got to really believe in it and you got to, you got to set all of the, the, the setbacks and all of the, the negativity and all the, you know, the, the aches and the pains and all the, all the excuses that we can make. Uh, you got to set them aside, man. And you got to, you got to go after it. You got to decide and commit to it, you know? And, um, yeah, I got, I just got off on a tangent there, but, uh, and, and, uh, and I, I, I get to touch a lot of people at work. You know, I, I speak with many, many customers that, you know, I've known for many years. I've been, been at, uh, at, uh, the Toyota dealership that I Graponi Toyota for, for many years. And I get to, you know, many people that I have known for a long time and, you know, and I, you know, obviously talk cars and all that because they bring bring the bring the vehicles in for service. But, you know, I uh, several times over the course of the week, I do get to engage, you know, in in conversations about, you know, the triathlon and running and that sort of stuff. And, you know, I really I, I believe that people, you know, you you can do it, you know, but you got to decide to do it, you know. Um, I don't remember what was that question that you asked me, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't. It, it doesn't matter because Sorry. because that, that was a that was an excellent that was an a, 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 an excellent thought line there, um, you know. And 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 as you were de- as you were describing that, it it occurs to me that um, that 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 really the 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 ability to shift from impossibility thinking to possibility thinking is really about. Um, being able to see uh, new opportunities and potentially new solutions to the same old problems that 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 that, that everyone faces, yeah. um, and so it, it, so so that so that truly it isn't it, it isn't as though our problems change. It's right. um, it's it's really our perspective. Right. It's it's our thought around those problems. Yeah. Um, and and because I really think that. That impossibility thinking is just so very narrow and laser focused that 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 when that when faced with a challenge with an impossibility mindset, we can't possibly solve the problem because um, because we don't allow the possibility for for opportunities to present themselves to solve the problem. 
Right. But as soon as we begin to, as soon as we begin to have a much more open mind, with 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 a, with a bent more toward possibility, that all of a sudden now the same problem we 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 are able to solve because because more opportunities for solutions present themselves. But but the, but I really think the point is that um, <laughs> you have the same problems and challenges as a possibility thinker than someone who is an impossibility thinker has. Yes. The reason you're able to move forward and solve the problem um, is because of your ability to enlarge the frame, to, to enlarge your thinking, to bring in more opportunities to find solutions. So, so, so really, I mean, don't you feel like when you're, when you're counseling people, what you're really doing is you're really helping them to, uh, to, to, to broaden the lens, to widen the lens, to be able to, to be able to, to see, to see the periphery, to see on the, on the edges of the problem, because truly those solutions almost always lie just outside of that very narrow focus, but but people can't see beyond that because of, because of their, their mindset. Um, well, have you have you ever had the the uh, the the opportunity to to use this idea of thinking out of the box to overcome a challenge, say within a race? Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, my first my well, my first Ironman, you know, I mean, that that really was. Um, I mean, a lot, a lot of a lot of races, but my first Ironman was was kind of out on a whim uh, type situation. I mean, I. Um, I got a, uh, just back in the Keith Jordan days when, uh, with endorphin and did the, uh, as a half Ironman and I ended up getting a, a slot for Ironman Florida kind of last minute, you know? And, uh, yeah, I guess they were giving them out, uh, at awards, uh, you know, and it was, uh, you know, it was an opportunity for me and I hadn't done an Ironman yet. And it was only, uh, probably like three months away from, from, uh, you know, from the, from the Timberman. And I looked at my wife and I'm like, what do you think? Should you go for this thing? And she's like, yeah, yeah, do it. So I signed up for it, you know, and I, uh, um, three, you know, committed to it. Uh, you know, the longest I had, you know, I'd done at that point was a little bit more than a half Ironman. I'd gone to, uh, do a, a, a funky one in Sweden and, but it wasn't, it was, it was more or less the longer swim and about the same as a half iron on the, on this bike and the run. And, um, didn't have a lot of time. Ended up getting injured, ran, got hurt running, uh, about two weeks after I had taken the slot and I was not able to do any running leading up to, to Ironman Florida, uh, other than pool running. And I was able to bike and swim and pool run. And I almost pulled the plug on, on the race, uh, just because I, you know, it was daunting enough anyway, uh, but decided to actually commit to it and, and, you know, and do it. And, and I went down, uh, went down to the race basically with a, a road bike with clip on arrow bars, no race wheels, no nothing, just totally, you know, wet behind the ears and, um, unknown on how I was going to, how, how my run was going to go, uh, and really no clue to what I was really doing, you know, at that time and, uh, ended up, 
having the fastest Ironman that I had and that I've ever had and I uh, ended up getting a Kona slot. So, um, you know, it was, it was committing to something way out of my comfort zone, uh, figuring out how I was going <clears> to, <throat> you know, how I can, you know, get myself to that level of being able to compete. It was still the unknown, still committing to flying down and doing it still with the unknown. And then, uh, you know, and the prize was putting it all together that given day, you know, and that, that, that day was really like, a um, well, that week, that week was a memorable one. Cause not only did I, I, uh, got a Hawaii slot, but that was the same week that the Red Sox won their first world series. So, and one week, man, it was, it was an unbelievable, uh, an unbelievable sequence of events, but, uh, that really catapulted me in many ways, um, towards the things that that came and i've had countless races i guess that that man i've had you know flat tires and you know an iron man i had a, uh, two flat tires during one one iron man uh uh race and uh still ended up getting a hawaii slot um you know and just to me the race is not only uh you know it's it's the the fun part is the race itself but it's also when you're throwing those obstacles um, at, at the given, given time, how do, you, how do you put that puzzle together? You know, how do you, how do you figure this one out? You know, and you put, you, put yourself in these, um, you know, in these situations and you're, you're, you got to figure them out, you know? Yeah, I, I, it, again, it reminds me uh, of another one of my favorite expressions of um, the difference between seeing the challenge in every difficulty or difficulty in every challenge, right? Purely a mindset thing. Yeah. And I do think that the ability to see challenge in difficulties rather than the other way around is a practiced behavior. It's a practiced skill, your ability in that, in that your experience in that, in that initial Ironman, um, this thinking outside of the box, you know, I've, I've never done a distance that far, but or I've never done a race that far, that type of race that far, but I'm going to lean into the challenge and I'm going to, I'm going to just, I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to stay open to the possibility and the way things transpired and worked out in a really positive way, almost certainly reinforced for you <laughs> the idea that anything is possible if i if i can if i can think outside the box if i can if i don't limit myself if i you know if i um because truly the don't don't you believe that the majority of our limitations are in the eight inches between each of our ears uh, i'm gonna say 100 percent, but i'm gonna say 99.99 <laughs> right yes. true. absolutely true. Yeah, yes true. yes yeah. i mean yeah, yeah. i do yeah. it's yeah. yeah. Um, but again, I, I, I think that there's a really powerful influence um, uh, on experience, which which leads me to to this, that 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 part of the foundation of this concept of possibility thinking um, uh, are are four uh, key mindsets, two primary mindsets and then two subsets to those mindsets. And I want to go through them because. I'm curious to get your take on these uh, these 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 essential mindsets with respect to this concept of possibility thinking. So the two primary mindsets are a growth mindset and something called an abundance mindset. 
I'll talk more about those in just a moment. They have subsets. So the so the subset of a, of a growth mindset is a curiosity mindset. And the subset for an abundance mindset is a solutions oriented mindset. All right. So let's talk about those, Sean, because I, I have a feeling um, that um, even though this may be a concept that you've not seen or heard presented in this way, almost guarantee these are things you're doing. OK, yeah. I, I, I'm just I, I, I just I have a very funny feeling that we're going to we're going to learn that you're doing these things. Let's start with this idea of a growth mindset. Now, as part of this conversation, you've actually you've actually used the word growth a couple of times. So <laughs> once again, I, I have a feeling that you embrace this concept of a growth mindset because you've actually used the word growth several times. So so this mindset, this growth mindset, sees challenges and problems as opportunities to learn and to grow. How much, Chan, how much do you value personal growth? Is that something that's that's a big deal for you? Uh, every day. Every every single day of my life, man. I mean, I, yeah, kind of obsessed about it, I guess, you know, but I, uh, you know, physically, spiritually, mentally. Um, yeah, you know, and um yeah, no, growth is, you know, and, and I don't, I don't believe that, uh, I, I don't think I ever stop growing, you know, I don't, I, I and I want to keep growing, you know, I want to keep growing. And, you know, as I get older, it's, <clears throat> there's going to be limitations, maybe, um, that will prevent me from going, you know, growing, you know, in certain, you know, in certain ways, but I, I don't believe that we can ever stop growing and that, but it takes work every day, you know? Well, and it also takes it also takes the ability to think outside of the box, yes. which is part of what you did seven years ago when you when you initiated this morning routine. I mean, I'm sure the 20 year old version of you could not have envisioned a time uh, in which the 56 year old version of yourself would be spending any time meditating first thing in the morning. Yeah, not um, <laughs> right. <laughs> but 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 I again, I, I think. I think that um, I think that this concept of growth certainly seems to me something of, of tremendous value to you. You know, the subset of, of, of a growth mindset is something called a curiosity mindset. Um, so so how important how important is is learning and discovering and exploring to you? Oh, huge. You know, I want to I want to explore, you know how deep I can go, how far I can go. Um, you know, uh, curious. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, I'm being told that I should be, should be slowing down. Um, I, I don't believe that. I'm curious to see if I can go faster. You know, I am still curious to see if I can win, win the race overall, you know, I, it's, it's there, you know, I, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, I mean, it, maybe you alluded to it, but what, um, what, what are some examples of, of how that, that curiosity, um, uh, manifests itself, um, in, in either, in either life or, or racing? Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, re really for me, it's, I mean, as far as the curiosity goes, yeah. um, well, it's, it's, it's pushing the limits, um, you know, pushing the limits on my training, um, 
you know, as well as, as well as, uh, you know, kind of pushing back on, you know, on my age, uh, and, you know, and, and hearing, you know, I mean, more often than not, I, I hear that, uh, you know, uh, people, you know, I'll talk to somebody and they're surprised that I still do what I do, uh, or, um, you know, that, that I'm still, you know, doing the, the long distance races or, um, you know, doing what I do, you know, for as long as I have, you know, but I'm curious to just to see how far I can go with that, you know, as, as long as my, as my, as long as my body and my mind are, are pushing forward, man, I'm going to keep, keep being curious about, uh, about that. And like I said, man, I, you know, in, in high school, I was rated, uh, I was, you know, I, you know, we all, you, they had those, those awards, you know, best athlete and best, uh, you know, whatever, best looking and all that. And I got, I got most naive and I, um, I didn't even Come know on. what that meant. I didn't Come even on. know what that, I didn't even know what it meant, honest <laughs> to God. And I was just like, oh, that's cool. I got something, you know? And uh, I still, I had no, I honestly, I had no idea what it meant, but uh, I really feel like that, that, uh, and looking back on that, and I still am naive, you know, I am naive enough to think that I'm going to toe that line and, and, you know, in Boston, Boston marathon in eight weeks, I'm going there for the win. You know, I want to win the freaking thing, you know, <laughs> I get you. I, okay. So I really, I I, I'm naive, man, you know, and that, in my, in, in that, that, you know, the curiosity and being naive have really brought me to, uh, to, you know, I guess to where I am, you know, I mean, I always wanted to play baseball for the Sox or play for the Bruins or, you know, I really, I've always believed that, you know, we've got to, we've got to chase our, you've got to be curious, you know, you got to be curious and, um, you know, you got to believe that you can, you can, you can, uh, get those dreams and you're not going to look 95% of the time. You're not going to get, get the results that you want. Um, you know, but you keep going, you keep going, you keep pressing, you keep the curiosity going and man, all of a sudden you get that, you get that one little shining light and, uh, you know, that spark and, and you hit it, you know, and then well, what's yeah, next? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's always, I, I, I feel like it's always a matter of progress over perfection anyway, right? That, that curiosity is what facilitates learning. Um, and through learning, we grow, right? So yeah. it is truly in order for us to grow this, the seedling of growth is curiosity we have to keep, we have to keep asking ourselves, well, what if, right? What if Sean Snow, what if I really leaned into this training cycle? Yeah. Is it possible for me to stand on top of a podium? You know, yeah. what, what if, um, the, the, the other major, uh, the other major, uh, mindset, um, with this possibility thinking paradigm is this something called an abundance mindset. Now an abundance mindset holds that there are, that there are no limits because there are multiple ways to solve a problem. Yeah. Right. So, um, now this, this mindset, uh, <laughs> it's okay. We, we, we talked about, we talked about one of our dogs, somebody's dogs would bark during the podcast and that's yeah. And for once it, it was, it's not my dogs just for the record. Now, who is who is that that's barking, Sean? That's that's Kona. That's my that's my little cockapoo and my 
my lovely wife is is coming up the stairs and this is how uh, this is how he rolls when when Pam comes home so sorry about well, the well, she hasn't well, come to the door yet but once she comes in she you'll you'll freak out a little bit and then we'll settle back into this but Kona has Kona has made an appearance in the podcast that Kona's made an appearance that, he's not that, done yet but yeah, yeah that's it that's that's that yeah that's that's another amazing sort of uh uh, uh connection that we tied together um so what, once again this abind this abundance mindset allows us to think big yeah right? um and venture outside of our comfort bubble uh do you tend to be a big thinker sean or are you a small thinker so i am a um i am a big thinker for sure um but it's a small thinking and little baby steps, like we said, mm. that bring to the big thinking, you know what I mean? Like, okay, so I, I, I am a big thinker, you know, I mean, I have big, you know, whether it's, whether it's uh, uh, my athletics or my job or whatever it is, man, I want to think big, you know, I want to think way out of that comfort zone, you know, and um, yeah, I mean, I am a big thinker. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I tend to use the expression of thinking big, but acting small. Yes. Focusing yeah. on the little things. This is what, 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 what we have, what we've talked about. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you, do you think that it would be possible at the age of 56 to still be training and competing at the Ironman distance uh, without that mindset? <clears throat> no, not, not, I mean, not, um, not, not with high goals. Right. So not for, you know, um, you know, setting the bar high. No, I don't think so. You know, I feel like you've got to, uh, I, I feel like, you know, when, when I do commit to, and that's one of the reasons that I do commit to the, to at least one Ironman a year, because it forces me to, okay, man, here you go again, you know? And, uh, I, you know, I don't want to just, I, I can't just, uh, just, to show up, you know, I can't just wing it. I've got to actually put the, put the, the work into it, you know, day in and day out in the baby steps, uh, in the little stuff that, uh, that allows me to do it, you know? And so I, I, no, I don't, I think that you can, you know, you could, you could go out and, you know, which people do. And I, I tip my hat to them, you know, they go out and they, um, you know, they, they sign up and they, and, and they do it, you know, but, at to to go to a to a certain level if you would you know to to get to to kona uh to you know, you know the podium people if you would i man it they, they put they put the work in you know day in and day out you yeah. know yeah for sure um but 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 again to your earlier point whether 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 your goal is to stand on top of a podium or your goal is to have that finisher medal put around your neck for the first time. The truth is that, that, that these things are possible for anyone. Yes. Um, with a combination of, uh, of excellent preparation uh, and next level thinking, yes. not the least of which is this concept that we're talking about of possibility thinking, which I think, I mean, truthfully, when it comes to, athletic specific performance mindset performance i think 
I don't think that there's anything any more powerful than what we are talking about, this possibility thinking uh, mindset. So the, the last mindset is this subset of abundance mindset, which is something called the solutions oriented mindset um, it, that values action over inaction. Um, it values problem solving over worrying, worrying and or just complaining about the problem. Um, so have, have you ever been in a situation during a race in which you needed to immediately work to solve a problem? And how and how have you done that? Or how did you do that? Geez, I mean, I yeah, countless, countless races on that. But I will I'll go back to the um, the, the flat, the two flat tires on Lake Placid. You know, it was um, it was a, a day that, uh, you know, you, you lose, you know, you, one flat tire is one thing, but two flat tires. I don't know how many minutes I, I missed. And it's it was keeping my composure. Um you know, and just, you know, getting, um, getting the, the aid from, uh, you, 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 you get, uh, there's psych, there's uh, motorcycles out there with wheels and, you know, and they help you, they can help you, you know, get, so I probably had maybe 25 minutes of time, you know, that I had lost and it's keeping your composure. Uh, it was keeping my composure and just, you know, believing that, uh, you know, it's still a long day ahead, uh, still, still ended up falling apart. Uh, just before the run, uh, you, know, you know, last few miles on the bike, I was pretty much destroyed and then still went out and had a, had a really good uh, marathon. And, you know, it's, um, you know, it's, I really do believe that we, the, our, our greatest moments are those moments, you know, the greatest moments are the moments that we're challenged. Um, uh, they bring us to a, to a whole new level and, and how we respond and, um, you know, it's not the it's not the easy times. It's not the the uh, the victories uh, on on the field or you know in the workplace or whatever. It's it's the more it's the more challenging times. You know, um, that really do build us. Oh, I I absolutely believe that um, there is there's much more value in overcoming adversity, regardless of what the what what the eventual outcome is than any podium than w that we would ever stand upon because yeah. I feel like uh, there are there are uh, far more opportunities for for learning and for growth within adversity yeah. than there are opportunities for learning and growth through success. That's yeah. why that's why I always encourage my athletes and I'm, I'm curious if you do this, but I, I always encourage my athletes to journal after after the race um yeah. i mean it, it's valuable for any number of reasons if if you go if you end up racing at that venue again you can read your race recap from the previous time to you know sort of to, to get the ins and outs of that particular type of race um but 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 the journaling also i think provides the athlete <clears throat> an opportunity to put a period at the end of that training block Right. Yeah, um, yeah. Because, it, I mean, how often does it happen that, um, you know, maybe we don't we don't get the outcome that we had originally desired. And sometimes that that can that can leave a bitter taste. Right. That can sting a little bit. Right. And how often does it happen that 
we end up carrying that negative emotion forward into our recovery phase, or we maybe even carry it forward into our next training block, where, where truthfully, that negative energy from the previous race does nothing for us right. going forward. It only really impairs our ability to move forward and to work toward that next goal. So I really feel like that, uh, that journaling after a race is an opportunity to, um, to, to, put, to put all of those thoughts and emotions down, whether it's on paper or, or electronically speaking, and to put a period at the end of that experience so that you can, so that you can move forward. But I particularly think that that's important um, if if an athlete has had a really challenging race, (laughs) because really what they just want to do is they they just want to walk away. Right. They don't really walk away. I mean, they walk away. But what they what they carry forward with them is all that negative emotion associated with that with that with that undesirable outcome. Do you do you do you do any race journaling? Do you ever do you ever put your thoughts down after a race experience? Um, I'm not necessarily writing it. I don't, uh, I wouldn't, uh, I, I'm not necessarily writing it, Chris, but I, I will say that, um, uh, a lot of journaling in my head, uh, a lot of journaling in, in it, and it sticks with me. And, um, the more, um, I would say that one of my personal strengths is the more adversity, that's thrown at me, the more um, disappointing uh, the result, the um, the more I grow and the more I desire to get better instead of, uh, you know, getting hit between the eyes um, and quitting and just walking away from, from, uh, from a race, from, uh, from a sport, from any, what, anything in life, you know? And I, I really, um, I don't journal it, but boy, it, uh, it fuels me, you know, it fuel, it, it really fuels me. And, um, uh, I, you know, I've always said, man, they're blessings. I've always looked at, you know, the, um, the, the adversity and the, in the, in the, the obstacles that are thrown at us as, as blessings. And we don't necessarily like. So Sean, that really reminds me of the expression that smooth seas do not make skillful sailors. <laughs> Absolutely right, man. Right. Absolutely right. I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you that, uh, you know, and I, I, I'll, I'll just get into this really quick. Uh, you know, my past year, man, last year was a lack of a better term, a kick in the balls, you know, for me. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I'll tell you, man, I looked at it as, uh, you know, didn't like, you know, any of it, you know, from, from my hamstring in Boston to not being able to start Hawaii, but I'll tell you, man, I've, it's really, um, you know, it's, it's sparked a little bit, you know, within and, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's not about the smooth, the, the, the smooth sailings, man. It's those rough seas that they're blessings, man. They really are. Uh, f- for sure. And, uh, I mean, I, I, I continually, uh, have that counsel 
with my athletes, um, particularly in training, um, just, just as an example, uh, you know, we're, we are sitting here in the middle of February. This episode will be released sometime in April, um, probably pretty close to Patriots uh, Day, um, Marathon Monday in, nice. in Boston. That's probably the week that this show will air. But, but, but suffice to say that um, for us New Englanders uh, who are uh, training for the Boston Marathon, New England winters are not necessarily always amenable to uh, quality outside running. Uh, And for marathoners, Boston marathoners training in New England who have very specific performance goals, you know, as part of that marathon preparation, you got to run some pretty specific paces in training in order to prepare to run some pretty specific paces in Boston. At least that's the way that, I train my athletes for that. Well, it's not unusual, of course, as I mentioned, for New England winters to be uh, quite uncooperative when it comes to marathoners needing to put in quality long runs. And so it seems as though uh, it's, it's, it's very common in the wintertime for, uh, uh, for, for athletes to, for, for marathoners, for Boston marathoners, to get quite discouraged about the road conditions and their inability to hit very specific paces in their long runs. And yet what I always come back to for them is that the the value in working through the adversity of snowy, slushy, icy roads, even if you're not able to hit your paces, uh, there is value in working through that adversity because you, Sean Snow, know um, um, that the longer the event, the greater the likelihood is that something is going to go sideways at some point during the event. You know, a 5K race for you can be over in 17, 18 minutes, but an Ironman distance triathlon is going to last several hours. And again, the longer the event goes on, the greater the likelihood is that something is going to go uh, haywire, uh, a flat tire, uh, uh, an upset stomach, whatever it happens to be. And the more opportunities we get to work through adversity in training prepares us mentally to deal with those moments of adversity during events. Do you believe that to be true? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's why, you know, most of my, um, most of my training I do solo, you know, and most of it, uh, all of it I do with no music, no nothing. It's just me hours and hours and hours of, of, um, you know, of, you know, dealing with those, you know, if I, if I don't deal with it out on the road, in my own head, you know, uh, and I guess in, in some ways it, uh, makes my race a little bit easier because, Correct. you know, I've, I've all of a sudden, you know, stimulated with, you know, 2000 or in Boston situation, uh, you know, 30,000 other runners that, um, you know, I can take in the energy of the, of the runners, the crowd, everything. I'm, you know, I've spent hours and hours being, you know, self-propelling myself, you know, uh, through the, you know, through those, those paces or through the, the long runs or whatever it is, the, the endless, you know, lines and the looking at the lines in the pool and et cetera, you know, with, without any distraction, 
other than what's going on in my mind, you know? And, um, <clears throat> yeah, that's what, uh, those are the things that build, that build me, you know? Mm, yeah, for sure. Um, well, Sean, let's, let's finish with this. It's a fun part of the show. I like to call three random questions. All so, right. um, you know, as, as part of this podcast preparation, I did send to you in advance some questions that I was going to ask you just so that, you know, you had an opportunity to maybe think a little bit about them. But the next three questions I did not send to you. All right. Okay. Because <laughs> I, I, it, it's fun for me to, uh, to hear and to see people think nimbly on their feet. But just if you'll confirm for the listener, Sean, uh, the next three questions you have not been given in advance, correct? Correct. Okay. All right. So these truly are three random questions. All right. Are you ready, Sean Snow, for right. your three let's, random questions? Let's rock it, baby. Okay. But uh, question number one, Sean, um, you know, I, I, I mentioned earlier that, uh, that you really truly are uh, an inspiration uh, for, for, for anyone, uh, but particularly for folks over the age of 50, I am, I am included in that cohort. Um, so you are, you are an incredible inspiration for me. Uh, you drive me to be a better version of me, but Sean, who inspires you? <sighs> well, my, my daughter, uh, my daughter with, with her tenacity and her, her willingness to, to commit my wife for, um, man, for her support and, you know, through the, through the many, many years and, you know, the, the endless, endless, um, you know, the, the endless hours, you know, um, and uh, my family, um, uh, and athletes, you know, like, like yourself, Chris, um, athletes that, uh, that, that have the similar, um, interests, um, and the similar motivations that I have and, uh, from professional athletes as well that I look up to that, uh, that, uh, the humble, the humble ones, you know, the ones that, uh, you know, the Barry Sanders that, uh, score the touchdowns and, and hand the ball off, you know, the, you know, the guys and the girls that, uh, they're just doing it for the love, uh, and, um, you know, the, the mentors, you know, yeah. um, I'll, 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 put a shout out here to my alma mater, Wake Forest University. Uh, you mentioned uh, Matt Bonner, who played for the San Antonio Spurs. Well, he he had a teammate on the Spurs that uh, was a Wake Forest graduate, Tim Duncan, oh, yeah. um, multi, multi-time NBA champion, MVP. Um, Tim Duncan, uh, in, interesting story, and I'm sure that you know this, but uh, I mean, Tim Duncan was, you know, one of the hundred best basketball players to ever have lived. Yeah. Um, uh, and rather than making a really big deal about his retirement, in other words, announcing before the season that he was going to retire and, you know, basically have his final NBA season be this sort of, you know, this, this, uh, this, you know, pat on the back tour, um, uh, <laughs> Tim Duncan and his agent and his family had made the, the decision before that season that he was going to be his last season, but he didn't tell anybody. Now he may have told the, the Spurs organization, but beyond that, nobody else knew. Yeah. After the season, he released a, like a, a two sentence uh, press release that, that, that was it, that he yeah. was done to me that it, that epitomized humility. 
I mean, yeah. more, right. Because, you know, most professional athletes don't handle their retirement that way. Yeah. Um, but that was, but that was Tim Duncan. Right. Yeah. Um, so, um, all right. Random question. Number two, Sean, what's the best piece of advice that you were ever given regarding Ironman distance triathlon? not who's the fastest it's who slows the least <laughs> okay now, now did you read that somewhere did, did is is that can i attribute that quote to sean snow or you can um i would have to say that i've you know it's it's a it's a term that's used that used was used quite frequently back in the day i think i picked it up remember troy jacobson Troy was uh, Spinner Bowls, and uh, I had a, a CD that I got. It was a mental mental CD, um, you know, preparation CD for Ironman. And uh, I think that it was off of that CD that I that I picked it up. And man, I and I still, I've, I, I, it's not just like it's an Ironman thing, yeah. But it's to me, it's, um. You know, going back to COVID, you know, is two or two years. It's not who's the fastest; it's who slows the least. And you know, it's 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 every day. You know, it's that's an everyday thing. You don't want to you don't want to be the fastest. You know, you just want to be that person that you know keeps the keeps the possibility going, keeps the optimism going, keeps the you know. You don't want to slow down, man. You know, you don't want to go too fast. Just don't slow down. You yeah, know? I mean, it, it, I mean, it really speaks to the value of perseverance trumping talent. Yeah, because it's not necessarily always the most talented person, right, that finishes first. Right, it's the person that perseveres through the adversity that almost always occurs, whether that's whether that's in life or whether that's in training or whether that's in the race experience itself. So truly. It's, it, I mean, it really is a metaphor yeah. for life. And to me, I interpret that as, as, as being about perseverance. It's the, it's the person who is able to persevere, yeah. to work through the adversity. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, I know it's, it is, man. And, you know, if you think about, uh, you know, think about, all, uh, you know, so many of the great athletes of our time, um, you know, and, uh, some of the greatest uh, have got you know, extreme adversity uh, at an early age or throughout their, you know, you know, Tom Brady. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, yeah, I don't think he would even started at Michigan, right? And um, you know, until I don't even know if he maybe he started his, his senior year or whatever, and then he was picked whatever, you know, and and he continues to, you know, and uh, then you know the Michael Jordan getting cut, you know, uh, from his high school team to uh just endless you know and it's it, it is it's it's persevering you know yeah. i love that i love that term and i, I really think that that, that 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 applies in this in this situation okay last last random question for you and it's actually one of one of my favorite questions to ask i've sort of found myself asking this question quite a bit um i think probably because uh i i, I really uh, I value the the insightful responses to this. So here's here's your third random question. So Sean, you, you're hosting a group run, and you can invite three VIPs. Now assume all VIPs are runners, even if you know them to be runners or not. Okay, just assume anybody that you would consider a VIP as a runner and would and would join in on this group run. 
Now, these guests may be known to you, or they may be people you've never met. Now, they can be real people, or they can be fictional. In other words, they can be cartoon characters or movie characters or book characters. They can also be from the present, or they can be from any time in the past or future. They can even be versions of yourself from the past or future. Sean Snow, who are your three special guests? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, that's, a, that's a tough one, man. That's... Um... Oh, I, I there's you know you. Uh, well, I'd have to go with. I'm gonna go with. Uh, I guess I'm gonna go with three athletes that that have inspired me. Um in different ways through the years. I'd have to go with um, Jerry Rice. Have to go with Lance Armstrong. And then I would have to go with Bobby Orr, the three of them. I'd love to have them there. All right, uh, let's, uh, yeah, well, let me let me ask a, let me ask a follow-up to that then. Um, um, what is it that you uh, admire or did you admire about Jerry Rice during his playing career? His work ethic. You know, I wasn't a 49ers fan, um, but his his work ethic. Um, you know, I would, you know, hear and read about his, his workout routines. Uh, and... I think one, one thing that really impresses me to this day is when I see him, he still looks like he's still keeping himself in phenomenal shape, you know, and I don't know anything about him or anything like that, but I've always had tremendous respect for, for the athletes, the pros that made all the money and, uh, you know, were very successful and yet they still keep themselves in, in awesome shape, you know. Well, and he also came from uh, uh, historic black college, Mississippi Valley State, a, a, a relatively yes. small yeah. school on the grand yes. scheme of yeah. college football. Yeah, uh, I mean, he, in other words, he didn't he didn't go to Alabama or, or Miami or Notre Dame. He went yeah. to Mississippi Valley State yeah. uh, and became arguably the greatest wide receiver of all time. Yeah. Um, all right. Similar question about Lance Armstrong. What, what was it about Lance Armstrong, uh, that, uh, that inspired, uh, or that you admired? So I don't think that I would be where I am today if it wasn't for Lance back in the, in the heyday with, uh, you know, with the tour. Um, I know that, uh, obviously there's the, you know, there's, you know, the big asterisk and all that, uh, that goes along with it, but, I will say that the excitement from from the from the tours through those years hit me were right in the point where I was starting to get into to biking and running, um, and you know to me at that time 
uh, you know, he was Superman and he really, I felt like he really brought, uh, brought a sport into the same scene, uh, brought a lot of us into, you know, believing that uh, anything was possible on a bike, you know, and, um, you know, obviously it's a really, you know, it's still a, you know, uh, a touchy t subject with people. I don't agree, obviously, with a lot of things that uh, that went on, uh, and uh, you know that's that's a whole different topic. But I always I've always looked at him for for uh, for Lance, you know, and for what he did. Uh, I don't know him. I've never spoke, you know, never met him, never spoken with him, uh, and I don't know anything really about his his private life or anything like that. But uh, the guy, I really I really uh, look up to what uh what i learned from from his cycling and uh this is hard nose uh ability to persevere you know in all those those tours that that we watched uh that he was challenged with you know mm. uh i mean the the doping aside yeah yeah um it, he is his story is 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 really it's a great wow. story yeah. and we talk about overcoming adversity yeah. uh, and perseverance i mean i think you know adversity and perseverance uh i mean those those really were the those, those were the themes of the book it's not about the bike um and so um yeah. uh although yeah to 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 your point i think his his ped use um certainly overshadowed his remarkable story of, yeah. of what he overcame in terms of, in terms of cancer. Um, also interesting connection, you know, you, as you know, he started as a triathlete yeah. uh, and he, he actually was a, was a fairly competitive <laughs> right. junior level triathlete. I mean, he, yeah. I mean, I mean, it, had he decided to dedicate himself and to go into that sport, he, he arguably would have become the Lance Armstrong of triathlon, but he, yeah. but, but he, but he went into cycling. Did you, um, I know I had one. Did did you did you wear a Livestrong bracelet during that oh, period God, of time? Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I got to see him. Uh, he he um, raced at Mount Snow. Um, I don't you know whenever it was. It was a, one of his years of of winning the tour, and it was after. Um, I think Mount Snow was maybe in August, and he he showed up for that race pros, and I'll never forget. You know I. I went over and I, I had my cam, my big cam is a huge camcorder. And I was, you know, just recorded him. He was on his trainer warming up and uh, nobody was really, uh, um, you know, betting him in to the field because of this, it was the world, it was the uh, world cup back then. It was just, a, a, I mean, the field was stacked and it was just like, and everybody was like, you know, Lance is going to get his ass kicked. And he ended up flatting and he, he had a flat tire and he still got like fifth overall. And, uh, you know, it was just, I don't know. It was just, the guy was, it was just, it was fun, fun, fun. It was a fun, fun time to be, to be into cycling, you know? Mm. Yeah. And uh, I mean, my, my take on that story has always been that, um, uh, I mean, say what you want about um, the, the, the competitive disadvantage that he, that, uh, that, that, that the doping resulted in, couple things I think are true. First of all, everybody, everybody, the, he wasn't the only one that was doping. Right. Then, okay. It doesn't, yeah. that doesn't, that doesn't excuse it, but that, that just, it helps to contextualize it. Yeah. And the other thing was that his exploits during that time, his, he was still a cancer survivor. Right. And, and what he ended up doing 
by by lifting people with cancer up yeah. and lifting their spirit and lifting their their this idea of of what is possible yeah if that was if that if that all came about because of peds i'm completely fine with that because because he <laughs> Because yeah. he, outside of the outside directly outside of the sport of cycling, he had an incredible impact yeah. on people who were battling cancer during that time. Yeah. They, I mean, they. Do you know what I'm saying? And they, they, yeah, they I agree. people, people yeah. who would never get on a bike, yeah. drew a tremendous amount of inspiration yeah. uh, and strength from what he was doing during that time. Yeah. Do you do no. you agree with that? Absolutely. You know, and like I said, it was. You know, each tour, I mean, each, each, yeah, I mean, from outside the cycling to inside the actual races that, uh, that he was doing, man, each, each tour, he overcame these crazy obstacles from, you know, from the, from the handlebars, you know, getting caught, uh, falling to, you know, to crashes to, and he still persevered. And, you know, whether you, whether you took PEDs or, or you know you didn't that that certainly didn't uh did not uh, was not the the be all end all of of how he was able to overcome each each uh, obstacle that was thrown at him and yeah for, you know, for sure i mean i learned a lot from that you know yeah for sure i mean i again i i i think his impact reached far outside of cycling truthfully mm -hmm. and i don't see that as a negative thing i mean i think yeah. if he if Again, if because of his PED use, he lifted people up with cancer, I, I'm totally cool with that. Yeah. Um, all right. So the last last follow up question. Uh, you, you I'm glad to see you've got a New England athlete here in your in your in your list of three VIPs, Bobby Orr, yeah. old school, old yeah. school uh, Boston athlete. What what was it about you, man? You can't be old enough to remember Bobby Orr playing hockey. You're my oh, age. Man, dude, <laughs> dude, it was. He was the man, you know. I think he was the only guy that I ever I I I cried when they when he retired, and I cried when uh, they retired his when they retired his number, and when he retired, you know. And uh, he was the guy, man. You know, I you know we had endless street hockey games or endless, you know, uh, one on ones, and we pretend that we were we scored the goal, you know, the goal, and we all you know, lifted, lifted our leg and, you know, threw our stick in the air. And, you know, that was the, that was it, you know, and it was, you know, God, he was just, he was the greatest of all time, you know, and I know that it's a different game now and different game back then, but there's nobody that could go end to end the, the way that he did and just so gracefully. And I think that uh, the thing that that's, you know, again, talking about uh you know the barry sanders you know ha handing off the ball and the humility and the, the humbleness uh to this day from 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 what i gathered he is still you know a big part of of the uh of the boston scene uh and just uh just i'm not again i've never met him but uh from what i understand just a humble guy that uh very generous and just uh just a super person and um you know, it's uh, from a, from being a kid and watching him to, you know, to still hearing, you know, that uh, that he's, you know, that he's still number four. You know, uh, what a what a great uh, list of three VIPs. Uh, I can only hope to be invited on that. <laughs> group run, Sean, uh, Sean, thank you very much for sharing your story. I really, really appreciate it. 
Uh, it's been a joy, man. And I, I greatly appreciate it, Chris. And I uh, enjoy following you, man. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, we'll be able to get back out on those snowshoe trails again soon and uh, and shake it up, you know? It uh, it would be fun to try to keep up with you, Sean. That uh, is for I don't know sure. about that, man. Right, right back at you. <laughs> Thanks so, you again. Know, we, played, we, we played this game. We played this game, and somehow we're right next to each other. You know, it's I know how it goes. <laughs> I have I have a feeling I have a feeling that uh, that we would both beat each other's brains in, and neither one of us would pull away from the other. I'm almost. We're gonna be 80 years old, man, and we're gonna be yeah, we're gonna finally get a snowy. You know, we're gonna big get a big ass. You know, winter. And we're going to bring back those, you know, those five race series again. We're going to be 80 and we're going to be out there pounding each other like we did. (laughs) Sean, I look forward to that. Thanks. Thanks again so much. Thank you, man. Take care. One thing that struck me is Sean's morning routine. It's such a simple and effective thing to do. Yet how many of us are actually doing it? In addition to yoga, prayer and meditation. Self-reflection in the morning can also shape and craft the rest of your day. The late Steve Jobs knew this better than anyone. Too often our lives are set to autopilot and before long we've lost touch with how to man the controls. Jobs avoided this by asking himself one fundamental question each morning when he looked in the mirror. If today were the last day of my life, Would I want to do what I am about to do today? If the answer was no for too many days in a row, he knew he needed to change something. Once again, you've been listening to the Eat Half Walkable podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please circle back to the homepage and click the follow or subscribe button to stay up to date with all the new content. And of course, if you really enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with your friends. I'll be posting some supporting media on my Twitter account at Coach Chris J. Dunn and the show's Facebook page at Eat Half Walk Double. So make sure to check that out. And lastly, remember, the secret to living well and longer is to eat half, walk double, laugh triple, and love without measure. Until next time.